You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Look, Guy, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, Guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. I'm not your friend, Guy. It's the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and time for a CHL Insider segment brought to you by The Store Next Door. You can find them at uh, thestorenextdoor.ca. What's the store next door? Well, I'll read it right off the uh, website. The store next door gift shop, a local Nova Scotia manufacturer and retail outlet store that focuses on employing people with disabilities and recycling wherever possible. Basically, what they're doing is taking broken hockey sticks and making cool stuff out of it, whether it's uh, park benches or uh, lawn chairs or uh, tables, whatever you want. Uh, great for a hockey fan. Check it out. I really recommend it. Go to, again, the store next door.ca. Uh, shipping across Canada right now as well. So check it out, see what's uh, a fit for you. My uh, guest today is my CHL insider. We head out all the way to the East Coast, another uh, Nova Scotia tie-in. Patrick McNeil, the voice of the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, is back on the Pipeline Show. Patrick, welcome back. How are you? Very good, Guy. Thanks for having me. Easternmost team in the CHL. There you go. Uh, well, nobody wants to play the uh, Royal Naranda Huskies right now. A 22-win streak. Uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, you were just telling me it's uh, just a few games short of the record. Who holds the record? What's the record? And do you think Roy Naranda breaks it? Well, the record is actually held by the predecessor of the Scream Eagles franchise, the Sorrel Epivier, I believe I'm saying that correctly, <laughs> in 1973-74. They had a 25-game winning streak, and the Hull Olympique, or now Gatineau Olympique, of course, had 24 games in 94-95, and Roy Naranda is tied for third with St. John in 29-2010. Interestingly, that St. John team didn't win the President's Cup, although they did win the league title in the regular season. So uh, Ren Naranda currently is three off the pace. Uh, it's been quite the run. We were actually there uh, as we record this. It will be last Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Eagles hung around with them, but the tough, to, tough to beat that team and ended up being a 7-5 game in favor of Rowena. So all eyes are on them. And Interestingly enough, they do have a couple of tough games coming up, so it's going to be they'll be tested to get that record. But in order to get the record, they'll have to beat Drummondville twice and Halifax once. So they're going to be put up to the task. But Huskies, the story of the season thus far in the queue. Well, that really is a, a test to get the record, though. Drummondville, the next closest team to them in the Western Conference, and Halifax in first place in the Eastern Conference. So uh, if they're going to set that or at least match the record and go on to break it, they're going to have to do it uh, by beating some of the top teams in the queue. That's nice. I actually I like that. You, you're, they're being tested. It's not just going to be a cakewalk. For sure. Although one thing I want to say, though, they get a bit of a break in that Maxime Comtois has a three-game suspension. So he won't be playing for Drummondville in the first game, but uh, they will see him the second time on the night that they try to break the record. Okay. And what's interesting is the Huskies beat Valdor 4-1 on Tuesday night this week, and you, you would expect that result, nothing overly surprising, but despite the fact Valdor's 15th in the league, they're the only team to beat Ron Naranda in regulation twice this year. Now that's partially because they play the Huskies 10 times, but it's also one of the cliche, throw the standings out the window, it's a rivalry game type thing, and I know people in Valdor were really hoping they could have got the win this past week to end the streak, but it wasn't to be the Huskies, just, uh, just too good, and I think uh, Willie Paloff probably said it best earlier when he was on your show, he said they're a team of really good junior players not that they don't have some nhl prospects as well but right. players that in particular excel at the junior level and it's a formula that's definitely working for them right now well that's what i was going to ask you this i was going to put the same question to you is what makes this team so special because they don't really have you know the breakout the the big names 
that the people recognize across the country outside of Noah Dobson, really. Um, so you kind of feel the same way Willie does, uh, or does that this is just, it's a really, really good team of, uh, uh, capable junior players. Yeah, for sure. It's a team that comes at you in waves too. And I think it may seem a bit cliche, but they've done a really good job of building a culture there too. Mm. At the beginning of the year, the Huskies only had one player on their roster that was drafted or played with another Q team. It was Ryan McClellan, who was uh, kind of a depth player for the Scream Eagles. Now, obviously, there's a bit of a change there when they made some big moves at the deadline. But even then, they brought in Louis-Philippe Cote from Quebec, and he's a player who started with the Huskies, so he came back home. Noah Dobson has no ties to Renaranda, but he's reunited with his old coach, Mario Pouliot. So even some of the guys they brought in have either connections to Renaranda or connections to the guys that are currently on the team. So I think that's a big part of it, and the homegrown nature was a big part of the 2016 team. I mean, they haven't been completely opposed to making moves in the past, like bringing in Timo Meyer, for example, be one a big one. But the moves they made this year, there's always a concern that you might upset the chemistry a little bit. I know some people think that might have happened with Bakemo a little bit at the trade deadline. But Renaranda, it seems like everything's clicking. Joel Teasdale has been an absolute beast uh, since he came over there. He's another guy who was undrafted but is now signed by the Montreal Canadiens. He's just a bulldozing power forward, and he was uh, really impressive in the game that we saw in against Cape Breton last week. So he, he was a good addition for them. Cote, I mentioned too, and Noah Dobson. Interesting, though, players almost have more value by being associated with the Huskies because I think they had, and you would know this following the league, the CHL National League, the Hockey Canada radar usually you know puts a lot of stock on players being drafted. But I think the Huskies had three players on the Super Series team this year that weren't NHL drafted, even though their NHL draft dates had passed. Right. Uh, Justin Bergeron on the back and Raphael Harvey-Panar up front. So they have guys that, that earn some recognition the hard way. Uh, Samuel Harvey was like that in Nets the year before, but he's a 20-year-old now. That's uh, perhaps something that's not being talked about enough with the Huskies is their depth in net because uh, both of their goaltenders have uh, played enough games that they're eligible to appear in you know, top goals against, top save percentage. And uh, Sam Harvey and Zachy Mond are one and two in both save percentage and goals against. Both goals against under two. Uh, Sam Harvey's may have gone over two recently, but very impressive net mining regardless who comes in goal. And tough to beat a team like that. Does that speak more to the strength of the team in front of them or just those are two really, really good goaltenders? I think it's a little bit of both. I'd say the numbers would probably be down a little bit if they went on other teams, but make no mistake, they're both capable goaltenders who would be stars wherever they play. All right. I think that we see that across uh, the CHL with various teams. The Everett Silvertips would be that club. Uh, yeah, everybody NHL. thought, uh, you know, once Carter Hart was gone, you know, exactly. that was the end of the goaltending, but uh, they, they have the pipeline there. Yeah, no question. Patrick McNeil, voice of the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, let's go to that conference and – uh, some interesting races uh, down the stretch. Halifax, the top team, have a, a six-point cushion as we're speaking right now on Bay Camo and Ramuski right behind them. But then you got a three-way tie with Cape Breton, Charlottetown, and Moncton all fighting it out. And don't forget, Shikudami is right there with 71 points. How does this all shake out here over the next 10 days or so? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You look at the top teams first, we'll cover those. I know Halifax is hosting the Memorial Cup this year, so expectations are obviously really high there. And when you have a Memorial Cup hosting team, the magnifying glass is out, and maybe fans get a little bit worked up if things aren't perfect. But the big story for Halifax this year has been trying to evade the injury bug. Ostop Safin, who people in Edmonton are very familiar with, of course, has barely played for them this year, and they're optimistic he might be coming back. Maxime Trapagne was one of their acquisitions up front, and he's been in and out of the lineup. He's obviously a key part of their team now in terms of rounding out that offense. 
On the back end, it's really been a breakout year for Jared McIsaac. Of course, second-round draft pick into the NHL, so you expected him to have a good career, but he certainly has delivered on that. So Halifax, I think, is probably going to be safe at the top of the conference. Bakemo-Ramuski is interesting because, if you know the cue, those two teams are sworn rivals. Not a lot of love lost there. Different uh, different cities, different personalities in the cities. Traditionally, Ramuski is the you know, finesse, uh, white collar, I guess you could say, and Bakemo, a bit more of a rugged uh, blue collar. That's both in terms of the cities and the teams that they put on the ice. And I think this year, Ramuski was the favorite to win the East, at least for my money. But Bakemo had taken that early lead, and now they're just kind of trying to hold them off because Ramuski's surging up the stretch. Alexi Lafreniere challenging for the goals, the, the points total, uh, points lead at age 17, which is uh, quite the story. And uh, most interesting there, perhaps, is they finished the season with two games against each other. So uh, that race for the East Division could come right down to the stretch. As for the race for home ice, the fourth spot in the East, uh, not to sound like a homer, but Cape Breton, I think, definitely in the driver's seat, just because as we record, the Eagles have five games left against Bathurst and St. John, the two bottom teams in the league, so that should give the Eagles the edge. And, of course, if you follow the queue closely, you'll know last season and a number of years before, the league had a 1-16 through playoff format. And this year they changed to a conference-based format, which is a, a bit of a bone of contention for the teams that don't get home ice in the East because under the old format, you know, Moncton, Charlottetown, Shakutami be really pushing for home ice advantage, and uh, now some of those teams are going to have to start on the road. So either way, you slice at one or two or even three good teams are going to go out in round one. Uh, you look at Moncton, Shakutami, and Charlottetown quickly. Moncton is a team that had a strong start. They added some secondary 19-year-olds, and those additions haven't really worked out as they planned. So the team is kind of kind of where they were to begin with. Charlottetown got a little bit younger, so I think in a way they're kind of looking at this as gravy. They wanted to make sure their team was still competitive, and they've done that, but maybe expectations not so high. As for Shakutami, still primarily a young team, and they've had some issues with injuries as well, but of course, Top pick in the Q draft, Hendricks Lapierre has uh, gained a lot of attention. He's been good despite the fact he's missed some time. But they're certainly in the in the mix to pass one or two of those teams. Patrick, I want to go back to the scoring race for a second. You mentioned uh, Alexi Lafreniere is uh, challenging. Uh, I mean, he's tied right now with Joe Valeno uh, for tops in the Q. I had polled my audience at the start of the season who's going to win the scoring race, and it was almost unanimous that Lafreniere was going to do it. But it's taken a while for him to get to the top. I, I know he'd miss a little time with. Uh, Hockey Canada uh, uh, along the way, but uh, Peter Abadonato was uh, leading the league in scoring from what I can remember for much of the season. What's changed? Well, I know it's probably the same in the WHL. I know in the queue a lot of the time it's it's the not as sexy names, the 20-year-olds that'll win the race yep. just because they're the ones that don't miss any games. Lafreniere, it's tough to say because you don't want to call his start disappointing by any stretch of the imagination because he came in and lit the league up at 16 and he kind of continued to perform at six at 17 as he did at 16 which by any metric is great but you were kind of hoping that he would maybe step it up a notch and i think that's what's happened now and also part of that goes back to the team success with ramuski ramuski getting better and as a result he's getting better as well and obviously those things are intertwined to a degree uh, Joe Valeno is an interesting one, too. Valeno, to me, strikes me as someone who traditionally has been more of a playmaker, and his goal-scoring goal touch seems to be coming along as he gets further into his Q career. Abandonado is you know, your star junior player that you hope gets a look in the pros, and I think he's probably just being caught up by talents that are getting a chance to bridge that gap because they're now appearing in games more consistently, not being pulled away by all the special events and whatnot. Big season in the Q, 50th anniversary for the league. Uh, lots of 
I know the outdoor games were uh, pretty well received. Uh, other big stories along the way to help celebrate the league? Yeah, it's been really fun. I think the league's done a good job with it. Uh, every team in the league is wearing a 50th anniversary patch, which is the standard. But this is probably the largest uniform patch I've ever seen. If I guess we're kind of desensitized to it now because we've been looking at it all season. But <laughs> if someone hasn't seen a Q game, that would probably uh, strike them if they were to see any of the team's uniform. But I think the real anchor of the 50th celebration has been Gilles Courteau, the commissioner of the league, has done something called the Commissioner's Tour. And every one of the 18 cities has at one point hosted the commissioner's tour and what happens is Corto comes in takes media requests any media in the city that wants to talk to him can talk to him I know recently uh, the Moncton Wildcats which is an independent uh, podcast covering the Wildcats some fans that talk about the Cats and they were able to land an interview with Jill Corto and they did a fine job but it was just more of a statement to how accessible he's been and he's doing this in all 18 cities uh, every city sees the President's Cup and the Memorial Cup come to town so fans get a chance to uh, see the trophies In Cape Breton, actually, it's been an interesting year for the Eagles off the ice because the Eagles were sold in the fall uh, to a very wealthy man who has roots to Cape Breton, hadn't lived here in a number of years, but uh, wants to reestablish his ties with the uh, area. And uh, he was actually in town when Courteau was in town, and uh, Erwin Simon, the new Eagles owner, along with uh, Gerard Shaw, the team president, whose son Logan was in the AHL All-Stream, former NHLer, and uh, Gilles Courteau actually had a roundtable discussion out in the lobby. So uh, fans could ask questions, too. So just stuff like that's been really fun for the uh, 50th anniversary. The league put together an all-star team for each of the five decades. And uh, now the league is in the process of unveiling its top 50 players of all time. They uh, unveiled 50 to 41 uh, recently. It's interesting to see the amount of Europeans that are on the list, but that's great to see that those players have graced the queue with their talents over the years. And I think it's been a lot of fun for fans. Who would be like your top five? (laughs) Top five in the QMJHL? Uh, well, I, I haven't seen the list yet, but I mean, I, I would have to think Mario Lemieux is, is going to be number one. He would yeah. certainly be there. Guy Lafleur, I would have to think, would be on the, the list. And uh, One that might surprise people if they don't know their history, Dale Howarchuk is the next Q player. Uh, Cornwall was in the Q back in the day, so I right. think uh, he'll be high on the list as well. Tough to be, uh, probably going to be tough to gauge the goaltenders because uh, historically the Q was such a, a ridiculously offensive league that even uh, the Patrick Waz of the world that goals against averages in the fives, and I don't know what the save percentages would be looking like, but I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the list. I'll be interested to see where Kevin Lowe shows up on the list. Uh, they've got Absolutely. the top defenseman award named after him, right? Yeah, you'd have to think he's going to be in there somewhere high. No kidding. All right. Well, it uh, should be a great stretch drive to the uh, the playoffs in the queue. We'll be uh, watching it from afar. Patrick, is always great to catch up. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on, Guy, anytime. Patrick McNeil, voice of the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles. He actually had texted or tweeted at uh, Andrew Peard and myself uh, during our uh, recent hockey hooky game. 11 a.m. start, the Oil Kings and the Swift Current Broncos, the Broncos uh, – not a very good team anymore, that's for sure. Defending champs, but uh, shadow of the team they were last year. Not Maybe not even the shadow. The shadow of the shadow. Anyway, the Oil Kings uh, were winning that game. It was lopsided. Uh, they ended up winning 11-1. At some point during the game, uh, Patrick sends us a message. Because <laughs> I, I don't even... Listen, when you're broadcasting an 11-1 game, it's not a lot of fun, to be honest with you. And you kind of... Uh, the broadcast gets a little loose. We were only on the internet that day as well. It wasn't on TSN 1260. That's a radio station decision. Uh, so it was a it was a pretty what we call a loose broadcast where uh, yeah you might get a little uh, you don't stay as focused on what's happening in the game because quite frankly you don't want to you know harp too much on the fact that one team is uh, really struggling and the other team is uh, just pounding them. 
but so somehow the briar came up and uh, that caught the attention or the Scotties actually the Scotties curling curling for those of you who aren't Canadian uh, the Scotties is a tournament to determine the best uh, female curlers in uh, Canada and that caught the attention of uh, Patrick McNeil so he was listening to the game from Nova Scotia which is uh, pretty cool in and of itself uh, so we uh, had a little uh, Twitter exchange with uh, Patrick during the Edmonton Oil Kings game. Anyway, lots going on in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and uh, Patrick always does a terrific job of uh, summing everything up and really painting the picture of, of what's going on out there. Coming up next, we will turn on the 2019 draft spotlight. Igor Afanasyev is my guest. I may have butchered it again. We'll see. You can hear that segment when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, this is Brock Besser from the Waterloo Blackhawks. Hey, it's Kyle Connor from the Youngstown Fans. I'm Ms. Gergensen from Dubuque Flying Saints. Hi, it's Ali Sullivan from Sioux City Musketeers. Hi, this is Ryan Patolny, former player with the Lincoln Stars. This is Cooper Marodi from the Sioux Falls Stampede. Blake McLaughlin from the Chicago Steel. Hey, this is Sam Gagne, formerly the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm. Hi, this is Tom Gilbert, former Chicago Steel player. Jack Curry from the Waterloo Blackhawks. It's Casey Middlestaff from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's no time for mistakes, cause it's slipping away. Even though it might be easier, I won't give in now. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! 